Lionel's asked me to uh, do the Bible reading and then uh, just share a tribute, which I will do when I get my glasses on. (laughs) Okay, this is Psalm 92, Inspired Joy to the World. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to the Most High. It is good to proclaim your unfailing love in the morning and your faithfulness in the evening, accompanied by the harp and the lyre, uh, and the lute and the harmony of the lyre. You thrill me, Lord, with all you have done for me. Pardon? Okay. It was good. It is good to sing praise. Sorry about that, uh, Lionel. (laughs) Start again. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has done wonderful deeds. He has won a mighty victory by his power and holiness. The Lord has announced his victory and has revealed his righteousness to every nation. He has remembered his promise to love and be faithful to Israel. The whole earth has seen the salvation of our God. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn. Make a joyful symphony before the Lord the King. Let the sea and everything in it Shout his praise. Let the earth and all living things join in. Let the rivers clap their hands in glee. Let the hills sing out their songs of joy before the Lord. For the Lord is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with fairness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this word. And uh, what I neglected in the prayer time, I'd I'd, uh, just forgot to um, mention a great man passed away on last Thursday, uh, Ian Watto Watson, diagnosed with cancer 17 years ago. He founded 200 men's sheds uh, and... uh, a lot of men in this church owe a great lot for his inspiration. And uh, let's just pray for a minute for um, his family and friends. I believe that God is, uh, it was said of Samson, he destroyed more Philistines through his death than he did while he was alive. And Father, I pray that the memorial service for Ian Watson will bring even more glory to your name than uh, while he was alive. Father, I pray for those who are mourning the loss that you will comfort them. Uh, above all, Lord, we thank you for his life and for his example, for his inspiration and for his value in Jesus' name. That's okay. Thank you, Mike. Well, it's great to be here, to be able to share with you this morning. 
And uh, one of the things when we are looking at through this month of some of the carols that we sing, Joy to the World was a carol that was uh, written by Isaac Watts some 300 years ago. And it's interesting to read something of uh, his story. And uh, Isaac Watts went to church and complained about the music. <laughs> Life doesn't change, does it? And so he complained about the music. So the minister said to him, well, go and write something better. So Isaac Watts went away, read Psalm 98, and he wrote Joy to the World. So, uh, so if you don't like your music, write a song. Okay, and that's a really special, special time for us. But as uh, Mike mentioned this before, that Christmas is sometimes a, a stressful time. Uh, for, for some, it's a time of intense loneliness. I was, I was just thinking as I was going through this message this week that uh, last Christmas, I think it was on Christmas Eve, that family, they lost their mum and their couple of their kids in a tragic accident down at Manly. And I thought... You know, Christmas is not going to be a joyful time. It's, it's going to be a struggle for them. And, and many of us go through lots of emotions, even at Christmas time. It's parties to plan. Well, I don't do much of that. That's my wife's job. There are <laughs> gifts to buy. There are elaborate meals to cook. Long trips to make and long trips to take. And sometimes instead of bringing joy, Christmas can be a time that brings frustration. And we think, oh, no, not again. I read of a woman who was doing her last-minute shopping and uh, she's in this crowded mall and people all around were in a hurry once she got a car parked. She was tired of fighting the crowds. She was tired of lying, standing in lines. She was tired of going to a shop to buy the gifts she wanted to found that they sold out two days ago. But anyway, she bought a whole bunch of things and there she was. She came to the elevator to get in and she opened it up and the place was full. The elevator was full. But the people very graciously pushed, the, pushed back and so I gave her room with all the parcels to go in. She went in and she said, the person who invented this Christmas should be hung and quartered. And everybody said, yeah, we agree with that too. But one person in the back of the elevator said, they did that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> it's already been done. And, and I think at Christmas time, it is good to remember who this Christmas thing is all about. You know, we can get so caught up in the busyness of life that we forget to remember who we are worshipping. We are forgetting the fact that at Christmas time we celebrate the fact that God loved the world so much that he sent his son to be with us. And I think that's awesome when we think about that. And after last Sunday, I met for the first time little Louisa. Is Louisa here? Where is she? Bring her up here. Alice can bring her up if she likes. (laughs) She probably would. Didn't you love Alice up here dancing on the stage? Scott told me that. He said, Alice, you you can dance in the back of the church. Better up the front. This is it. Come up here. There's Louisa. I didn't have much to do with it. (laughs) Didn't have much to do with it. I had something to do with it. (laughs) Well, we won't get involved in that. But one of the things that when I saw little Louisa last Sunday, I didn't know they came this small. You know, I, I just wonder if everybody shouldn't try and get one. 
No, I don't think so. But, but I just looked at Louise and I was thinking about this week that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, these people can't see Louise over here. Better show them over that side too. <laughs> but, but I just think that God who created this whole universe and put everything in place, he made, made man that we might have a relationship with him. We totally, man totally messed it up, became so sinful, and God said, I want a plan and give a way of redemption. So I'll send my son as a little child. Can you imagine God, the King of Kings, sending his very own to be among us? You know, man as I know him, I wouldn't trust them that much. And yet God put the most precious gift he ever had and he sent a little child, probably the most helpful of all creatures, to come and to be given to someone like Scott to look after. <laughs> oh, pray for Jen. But no, but, but, but in the beautiful life, just, just to see. Why don't we come on? Why don't we pray for we we'll pray for, pray for you guys as, the, as we come on, little Alice and Jen. And... Um, Lord, we just want to thank you that we can see right here today the blessing of new life. Lord, we know it was a tough pregnancy for Jen. We know the family went through a lot. But Lord, for, for Scott to be here holding little Louisa in his arms, we thank you for the gift of life. Lord, we're reminded that this is how you came to be among us. And you, O oh God, brought joy to the world. And so, Lord, today as we look at this little child, may we be reminding ourselves again that this is the Jesus we worship. And, Lord, today we just pray your blessing upon Scott, upon Jen, upon Alice and little Louisa. Ask, O oh God, that this family would know the anointing of your spirit upon them and may this little girl, oh God, grow up to be one of your true faithful servants. Thank you for the home she came into. And may that be a blessing to her. And may Louisa know that she's been blessed to be given to a family who loves you. Bless this little child. Bless the family in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, God. I just thought I'd do that because it's, to me it was just a reminder that God sent somebody so small to be among us. And yet we come to, Christ, we come to Easter, a Christmas, we haven't got that far yet, but I cannot separate Christmas and Easter because the same Jesus who came to be a little child among us is the same Jesus who went through life to die on a cross. And the reality of life is this, that if I do not worship Christ, the child and the crucified saviour, Christmas is a day of judgment. 
because we've got an opportunity to get it right. Sadly, many people today leave Christ out of Christmas. Instead of looking to Jesus to give them meaning to life, they will look almost anywhere they can to try to find meaning to life. People sometimes say, are you a happy person? What's interesting, Madonna one time was asked, are you a happy person? Listen to what she said. I am a tormented person. I am wrestling a lot of demons. But I want to be happy. I have moments of happiness. <coughs> I am working towards knowing myself and I assume that will bring happiness. Well, she screwed that up, didn't she? <laughs> you know, you can try all you want, but looking within yourself is not going to bring happiness. And I guess every one of us here today would say to me, Pastor Lionel, I want to be happy. I want my life to be happy. One of my goals in life is to find happiness. People work hard to buy possessions that can make them happy. I'm not quite sure they ever get enough of them. I always say us Aussies are a strange mob. We go into a massive debt to buy a house that we can spend all our time paying off and then when we pay it off, we buy a boat so we can get away from it. You know what I'm saying? We do lots of stupid things because we are constantly seeking after happiness. What is happiness? They look for happiness in entertainment and hobbies and sports and passions. They look in addictions. I always say I'm, I'm thankful that Graham's not preaching after Geelong loses because you get a not a good message. But, but you know, but I think there, there are a lot of people who would do anything to be happy, but they don't know where to look for it. And I'll guarantee you that if you're here this morning and you'd say to me, I want to be happy. Well, what are you doing to be happy? It's interesting when I read the scriptures, <coughs> they'll see the Bible doesn't talk much about happiness. Because I think we realise today the Bible talks about something that's confused with happiness, and that is joy. And the Bible says the joy we are talking about is something that goes far, far deeper than happiness. You see, happiness deals with what's happening right now. Happiness depends on circumstances. In fact, I wrote this down. For most people... Happiness is nothing more than an interruption to boredom. <laughs> you know, you can get something to make you happy, but then tomorrow you've got to get another fix. And so we seek after happiness, but we never seem to be able to find it. We've all heard kids complain, I'm bored. I remember one day over at, uh, at home, my, one of my grandsons came over and he He'd been playing on his phone or iPad or something like that. And we said, you'd had enough time on your iPad, do something different. And he went and sat in the lounge and he said, I'm bored. And I said, well, suck it up, sunshine. That's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> you know, because I think we're always trying to find something to fill the need when it's very, very temporal. 
And we need to find a happiness that has far, far much deeper values than that. Genuine joy does not depend on your circumstances. You can be going through a whole lot of stuff in your life. <coughs> you could have gone through a whole lot of tough experiences and still no joy. And I sit down here and Sunday by Sunday it's good to come and get the update because it's just so great to be able to come <coughs> and, uh, and just talk to Mike and say, well, how's it going today? And if you want to find somebody who is full of joy, talk to Mike and get to know him because his joy is not dependent on whether he's well or not. His joy is dependent on the fact that he knows God and he knows God indwells his life and he's the person God wants him to be and that brings joy. And that's the type of joy I want. And I pray that's the joy you want today. We have joy, as the carol says, because the Lord has come. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Saviour and as your Lord, you found joy. Your body, it does funny things, doesn't it? You know what I found? Your body craves food and exercise and rest. Leave out the exercise, just have the food and the rest. You know, I'm allergic to exercise. Just as your body longs for those things, so too does your spirit have a desire to know God. There is something in you that is a fire burning within you. We always talk about <coughs> within us there is a God-shaped void and that's a void that only God can fill. And I would suggest today that there are so many people in this world today who are looking for stuff to make them happy that it doesn't make them happy and it doesn't give them joy. And I think we need to recognise that every one of us here today, we have a God-shaped void in our life and we're saying, and I pray today, that we're saying, God, please fill the void. Fill the gap. And if, it doesn't matter how deeply you look within, you'll only find happiness when you allow the joy of God to come into your heart and soul. And that's why if we try to fill our lives with things that are not from the joy of the Lord, I can guarantee you one thing. You will have a life of unhappiness and no satisfaction because only Christ and Christ alone can bring joy into your life. Good carol, that one. Verse 1 says, we there? Yep, we're doing a good job, Jeff. <laughs> there is joy when the king is received. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Historically, we know that not everybody was joyful when Jesus was born. We know the Magi, they came looking for him because they'd heard about this Jesus and they came looking for him. They went to Herod <coughs> and said, oh, we've heard there's a baby king been born. And Herod said, oh, have you? And he said, I want to find this king because Herod said, 
I want to get rid of him. One of the things I've always said about where Jesus is concerned, he'll either make you glad or he'll make you mad. No choice in between. He's going to stir you one way or the other. But Herod said, you know, I don't like a threat. I was reading through some history and it said that Herod had already killed three of his own sons. Well, he's not going to take the risk of another one. You know, today, many people reject Christ in their lives because Christ will become a threat to their plans. There's almost a sense at times that we'd say, well, if only we could work God into our program somewhere, we'd be happy with that. But this wanting to take over my whole life, aren't you going a bit far? But we always know that God says, and through Christ, I'll be Lord of all or I won't be Lord at all. And, folk, if we're going to have joy this Christmas season, we need to know that Christ is Lord of all in our life. Who were the wise men? Well, we know they came from regions around Babylon or probably modern Iraq. They dabbled in astronomy. That's why they were called the Magi. How many were there? Nobody really knows. But it's true they bought three kinds of gifts. What did they bring? That's right. I like, the, I like the Sunday school kids' version. He came home from church to Sunday school and his parents said, what did you learn in Sunday school today? He said, I learned about the three wise men. They brought gifts to Jesus. What did they bring? Gold, Frankensteins and Smurfs. <laughs> <coughs> you know, you're never quite sure what the kids are going to get taught in Sunday school these days. But we don't know how many there were. But, you know, let's be honest, three fit around the nativity scene quite well, don't they? So that'll do. But we, we know that they came. These men travelled to Israel because they had been in Babylon and they had heard a man called Daniel do some preaching and Daniel wrote predictions about the coming Messiah and these magi said, we want to find this for ourselves. And so these, these magicians or these magi, they believed. I always think it's interesting, isn't it, that people have had no Christian training have more confidence that God can do what he says he's going to do. And that's a challenge. And while Herod saw Jesus as a threat, the wise men saw Jesus as a gift and they said, we're going to come and worship him. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Verse 2 says, there is joy when the Saviour reigns. <coughs> joy to the earth, the Saviour reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills and plain repeat their sounding joy. We start by receiving Christ, but then the hardest thing for many in this day and age is to trust God with their lives. 
I don't know where you're at today, but, you know, we, we know Christ in our lives. But I wonder, do we really trust him? Many people <coughs> want to receive all the good things from God, but they don't want him to take charge of their business. They don't want him to take charge of their entertainment or the language they use or their public image. They want to know God, but they want him to fit into their lives and not the other way around. And if we are going to be serious today and experience the very best that God has for us, we're going to come to a point and say, God, I'm going to take my hands off and let you be in control. And this Christmas, if I want this Christmas to be the best Christmas I can ever have and experience, it's going to be, Lord, as I make sure I let you have control of me. If you receive Christ but then don't allow him to become Lord, I guarantee you're going to miss out on joy. How's your joy quotient going today? Many people struggle in their Christian life because they want to run their life the way they want to run it. Not what God wants for them. But we need to recognize today, friends, that joy is a byproduct of our obedience. Joy is a byproduct of our obedience to God. Let's be challenged by that. Verse 3 of the carol says, There is joy when the sinner repents. No more let sin and sorrows grow. Nor thorns infest the ground. Wouldn't it be good to live in a place like that? He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. You know something? We live in a world where sin promises happiness but delivers sorrow. Satan promised Adam and Eve that if I ate of the tree, the fruit of the tree of good and evil, they would have all knowledge. They did, and it sure didn't make them wise, as the devil promised. Instead, their sin brought a horrible curse and unending regret. Isn't it amazing? I wonder, you know, you could I probably identify today that there have been times in our life where we have been tempted to do wrong and have done wrong only to have the devil throw it straight back in your face. See, I told you a failure. And you say you're a Christian. And then we go on this massive guilt trip. All the joy just goes, gone. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I messed it up again. I always like to tell the parable of a fish hook. You know, a fish hook has never yet caught a fish. I have yet to find any psychologically maladjusted fish that say, I like 
chewing on steel. <laughs> All right? Any other fishermen? Do you love? You go and hang a, a fish hook in the water. You can hang it there as long as you like. And, and if you have them come up and you catch a fish, we'll send them to Cheryl for counselling. Okay? <laughs> it's not what they want. But what makes the difference? As a, as a fisherman, the thing you do, you dress this bit of steel up with nice, fresh bait. Something looks nice and tantalising and enjoyable. And the fish says, wow, that looks nice and chomp. And then as the fisherman rips the hook into their mouth, I've gotcha. You know something, folks? We see that happen with fishermen. But the reality of life is this. That is what the devil does to every person that he can. He will dress sin up as appropriate as he can make it. He will present it to you because he knows where you're going to struggle and he says, look at this, isn't this good? This is just for you. And the moment you succumb, the devil rips his hook into you and says, I told you you're a failure. And you know something? It takes courage to come back and say, God, I've messed it up. Let me come back to know you. And I said last time I preached it Sunday night, you know, I said we, we, we mess it up with, with sin in our lives and then the devil will make sure that pride keeps us there. And we need to be as a family that come to say, God, I need your cleansing. I need your filling afresh. That's what the song talks about. And when it comes, when that curse comes, the Bible says there's joy when a sinner repents. You know, we can't rationalise what we do. We can't make excuses for what we do. But the thing is, we need to repent and come to the Lord. And when we come to the Lord, we will know and experience something of the peace of God which nobody else, no one else can ever understand. I read of a, a town called Roaring Camp. <coughs> And it tells me that in this town, it was one of the toughest mining camps you could ever come across. And he said there was just so much criminality and crime in this town. It was all men. There's only one lady who lived in the town. Her name was Cherokee Sal. And Cherokee Sal made living the only way that a woman in a town like that could do. And in due course, Cherokee Sal was pregnant. She had a little baby, but she died in childbirth. And here in that town, there were all of these old miners. They had a little baby in the midst. And so they took this little baby of Cherokee Sal and they put her in an old cardboard box they found and one of the miners said, that's not really appropriate for a little baby. So they got on their horse, they rode 80 miles to the next town and they bought a cradle and brought it back and put it there in the house and the little baby they put in the cradle. Then they realised, we've got nothing that's very clean around this little baby. Our blankets are pretty dirty and everything's pretty messed up. And so another bloke went to town and he came back with some nice blankets and some nice sheets and, and wrapped the baby. And then some of the miners thought, man, the floor looks pretty dirty. 
And lo and behold, it wasn't long before they, they looked down and here were some old miners on the ground just absolutely scrubbing the floor so they could make it clean. They looked and thought, ah, oh, that looks good. Oh, but then the ceiling looked dirty and, and the curtains looked dirty and the walls looked like they needed to paint. And so they got busy and did all of that. Oh, it looked good now. And then they said, well, if we can have a little baby in our midst, we're going to have to watch our language. We're going to have to watch our behaviour because this little baby, baby girl doesn't like fighting going on. They get upset with that babies, they tell me. They didn't like that. So they stopped fighting and they stopped abusing each other. Very soon they began to even talk nicely to each other. And then the miner said then we would go off to the mine and they, they thought, well, we've got it. We can't leave the baby at home around. So they took it to the, where the mine was and at the entrance to the mine they thought, well, somebody had to stay here with the baby. And they thought the mine looks pretty dirty. So they planted a garden. And then they watered them. They had flowers growing and everything looked really, really nice. And some of the miners, they'd find some pretty stones as they were mining and they'd bring them out and they'd show them a little baby and that baby would goo and go, whatever they do. And <coughs> they were really pleased about this. Then the miners looked and they said, boy, our hands look pretty dirty. We look pretty scraggy with our beard all ragged and our hair unkempt. They said within a matter of weeks, all of the, the shops sold out all their shampoo and soap. You know something? What made the difference? Little baby. A little baby made the difference. And I want to suggest to you today that isn't this what Jesus can do? A little baby, just like little Louisa, Jesus came as a little babe to transform our lives. You know, every one of your family, your, your extended family, your wider family, everyone you know and love and care for can be transformed by the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to come to that place and say, Lord, if I'm going to make the best of this Christmas today, this year... I want, Lord, to worship that babe who became babe for us, that he might live and walk among us and teach us and ultimately die and rise again for us, that we might be redeemed. But this Christmas, it's all about Jesus. I, I wonder, as we, as we think about that today, has the babe of Bethlehem really changed your life? We can talk about it. But has the babe of Bethlehem, the Lord Jesus Christ, has he really transformed your life? The last verse of that carol says, <coughs> there is joy when the truth rules with grace. Why, oh, this is a great verse. 
He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonder of his love. That tells me why Jesus brings joy. Jesus comes and he comes and he rules with a perfect balance of truth and grace. You see, there's sometimes that truth is not very gracious. When I hear someone say, well, I just told it like it was, I know that they probably just offended someone by going heavy on truth and weak on grace. One of the things I've learned in life is this, is that if somebody comes to me and says to me, Lionel, I want to tell you something in love and I'm going to get a serve. Not a lot of grace in it. But think about these words, and these ones, they're they're going to come up there, Jeff, I think, that on the bottom there, truth without love is dogmatism. Love without truth is sentimentality. But truth with love is true Christianity. We need to balance our lives with truth and grace. Jesus brings joy because he is that perfect balance of grace and truth. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. We can trust him. Lord, show me yourself today. True joy will be yours this Christmas if we receive the gift he has to offer, if we repent of things that have spoilt our lives, and if we let Christ reign within our hearts with truth and grace. It's not just about words, Folk, it really is about knowing the joy of the Lord that fills our hearts. And we come and say, Lord, I want today all you have to offer. Second best is not good enough. You have my very best. Now, we're here today. And the one good thing about it when I'm here, I don't know what your lives are about. You can fool me. That's not very hard to do. But you can't fool God. And even as we talk about these things, God looks right down into your very heart. And he might say to you today, you know, I'm not sure whether you have ever really experienced the joy of the Lord in your heart today. I'm not sure whether you ever really have known me. But I want to tell you this, you can. I have my best available for you. Or you might be sitting here today and say, yes, you you know, Lord, that I love you. But you know also that my walk is not quite what you want it to be. And so today, Lord, as I come to you afresh... At this Christmas season, Lord, I open my heart to you 
and pray that today you will bring that new level of joy and peace into my heart. And that this Christmas season, I will really be able to say, joy to the world for the Lord has come. Lord, you've transformed my life. You've made me the person you want me to be. And if that's you today, trust him with your life. It might be handing over the reins. It might be putting something of your own life back on the altar and saying, God, I want to be the man or the woman or the young adult you want me to be. But, Lord, I'm going to trust you with everything in my heart today. May this Christmas be the Christmas, Lord, you want it for me. I was just thinking as we, uh, <coughs> we need to look beyond the tinsel and see the real cause of joy. What's the real cause of joy? The Lord is come. Last week, David led the song and we sang joy, unspeakable joy. An overflowing well no tongue can tell. Joy, unspeakable joy, rises in my soul. Never lets me go. And so today, as we think about the joy of the Lord, do you know that joy in your heart today? Do you know the peace of God that passes all understanding? Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you today that we can experience afresh the joy of the Lord in our hearts. Lord, show us more of yourself. Lord, teach me to be obedient. Lord, for me, it was just to get a picture of little Louisa, that something so small and so precious is, but to me, just an example of this is how Christ came to us. And to think, Lord, of Mike with the struggles he has, and yet there's that joy in his heart that passes our understanding. And I thank you for that, because, Lord, you're doing good stuff. But, Lord, today, I want to know afresh your joy. I pray that for each one of us here, that we will have a longing and a desire to be filled with the joy of the Lord. And as we come to our Christmas season, Lord, may we be a blessing to our family and may our family be a blessing to us because, Lord, we really want to serve you in a very, very special way. Lord, bless our day, bless our time together. And then this evening, Lord, bless our gathering together. And yet, Lord, may even in the busyness, may we know something again today of the joy of the Lord that fills our hearts. Lord, pour out your spirit upon us in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks, Kate.